Today's reading is um, taken from the book of John. It's chapter 11 and uh, verse 17 to 26, and then later on, 32 to 44. Jesus confronts, comforts the sisters. On his arrival, Jesus found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than three kilometers from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the, at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And he and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And then later in the chapter. When Mary reaches the place where Jesus was and, said to, and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could he not have opened the eyes could he not he, he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. Stephen, if you could have your Bibles open um, to chapter 11 as we go through it, I'm sure it'll help you um, as we go through various parts of this text. But let's pray that God will speak to us. Lord, we thank you that you are risen, um, that our lives are filled with hope of the resurrection, 
And we pray today, as we come to this text, that you will speak to us, and we pray that you will fill us with that hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, no promises are forever on this side of eternity, are they? Even the most serious of promises, um, even the most serious promise, this, this wedding vow is until death us do part. Because death is the final end for everyone. Isn't that why uh, we try to deny that death actually exists? We put cemeteries far away from our living places and crematoriums to the edge of the city so that we don't have to think about death. It's the same reason why anti-wrinkle and Botox and anti-aging, health supplements, all those things are a multi-billion dollar industry. Perhaps that's why also Chinese folk religion and many other envision people going to another place. And why many burn money and cars and even a house to the dead? Because they are in denial of the finality of death. And this is perhaps the reason why Ted Williams, the famous American uh, baseball player, was cryogenically frozen, once again, to deny the finality of death. But death is final. This is why when you go into a Taoist funeral, you hear people wailing, because it's sad. This is why we're so outraged with the attacks in Brussels or Ankara in other places. Because those people who died, they cannot be brought back to life. Death is final. This is why unplugging life support is very difficult for us. Because as long as they're plugged in, we still have some hope, don't we? But when they're unplugged, when they die, there is no hope. There is no coming back. And that was, of course, true 2,000 years ago when Lazarus died. Even the most faithful people didn't think that there was anything that anyone could do for Lazarus. When he was dying, of course, there was hope. This is why Martha and Mary sent a word to Jesus so that Jesus could come and heal him. The first thing that Martha and Mary also, when they see Jesus, the first thing that they say to Jesus is, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verses 21 and 32. The crowd also believed this too. They say to each other, verse 37, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? They all believed that Jesus could heal the sick, even the sickest of the sick. But when he died, no one thought that they could do anything, Jesus could do anything for him. And why would they? Everything dies, and death is final. What's surprising here, I think, is how Jesus himself grieves over death of Lazarus. Take a look at verse 33. There, when Jesus sees Mary and others weeping, we're told that he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And you see, that's not just sadness. After all, Jesus knew that Lazarus died. Jesus knew also that he was going to raise him back to life. It's not just sadness there. Something else is going on. And you might have heard this before, but that word, uh, the Greek word that's translated as deeply moved, um, outside of the Bible has been used to describe snort of a war horse. Um, this, this, um, this passion and anger that's there. And for humans, it describes not so much sadness, but anger and outrage. But what aroused Jesus' anger and outrage then? You see, Jesus is angry at death itself. 
and what death does to the people around them. He sees, he goes and sees Lazarus dead, and not only dead, but all the people crying and weeping around him. It caused all this sadness and havoc and devastation in people's lives. And of course, also the Hebrew mind, uh, in Hebrew mind, death is related uh, to sin. Think about how death was introduced to the world. It was because of sin, death came into the world. And so when he goes and sees Lazarus and all the people weeping and crying around him, he's angry at death. He's, he's outraged at what death does to this world and how it's not supposed to be this way. So Jesus weeps. Verse 35. It's true that everyone in this side of eternity dies, but it wasn't supposed to be this way. Death was never meant to be. It was never meant to have this sort of, it, it, never uh, meant to have, the world would, was never meant to know this sort of devastation. The Bible describes death still as the last enemy. It's not something that we should accept because it is the last enemy. Because of sin, death came to everyone. And you might be more aware of it um, today because maybe your body's aching, you're getting a little bit older and you're one step closer to death, or you might be just young and you might just not be oblivious. Uh, you might be oblivious to what death uh, is, and death is just sort of concept um, to you, but it will come, and it does come to everyone. But Jesus came to do something about that. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Verses 25 and 26. He says, I am the resurrection. And, and did you see how he used the word believe in verse 25 and 26 three times? He wants us to believe in him. And this is what he wants us to believe, that he is the resurrection and the life. He's not simply saying that he has the power to bring people back to life. He's, he's not simply saying that he has power to give people life. He's saying that he is the resurrection and the life. He's saying something far more deep, deeper than that. I think the best way to think about this, uh, what he means, is perhaps to think about uh, Steve Jobs. Uh, Steve Jobs, as you know, was a founder of Apple. Uh, he revolutionized many, many different fields, at least three uh, industries, personal computing, music industry with the iPod and iTouch and things. Um, uh, perhaps most importantly, he revolutionized the phone industry by invention of iPhone. What's surprising is, though, how meticulous he was in planning all the details. When they were um, producing all these different products, even though he was the CEO, he had a hand in designing, and he was very much hands-on CEO. Um, his hand was, his fingerprints were sort of all over every single product, so, um, uh, uh, so that he could have said one day, I am Apple. Apple could not exist without me, without association to me. And that's something of what Jesus is saying there. He's saying, I am the resurrection and the life. He's saying only through him one can experience the resurrection. Only through him one can experience life. Only through him uh, we can experience life as it was meant to be. It is only through him death will be defeated and be transformed in, from a period to a comma. So he raised 
Lazarus from the dead. And the reason is so that you may believe, so that you and I would believe that he is the resurrection and the life. But of course, as he comes to the funeral, Martha can't believe it, can't fathom this. Verse 39 protested, but Lord, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been dead for four days. And after he prays, um, he rebukes um, rebukes her, and um, he says, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And after a prayer, he commanded Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. And that most remarkable day, this man, the dead man, came out with all the, the linen wrapped around him. He came out. And it's significant that John records that this is a dead man that comes out, that was coming out. This wasn't a resuscitation that happens all the time in a hospital, right? Your heart stops for a second, and then, you know, with a defibrillator or CPR, uh, the doctor brings you back to life. This is not what that went on on that day. This man had been dead for four days. And even the four days was culturally significant that day as well because the, at the time, the, the, uh, the Jewish, many Jewish people believed that the soul, uh, the spirit hovered around the dead body for three days. But when the decomposition starts on the fourth day, that's when the spirit left. So everybody by the fourth day knew that Lazarus was really dead. In fact, Jesus had waited. Jesus had waited until the fourth day to come. We're told, if you have your Bibles open, take a look at verse 6, chapter 11, verse 6. When he hears of this news that Lazarus is dying, he stays for two more days. He stays. Again, in verse 14 and 15, he says, Lazarus is now dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. Let us go. Jesus says he was glad he wasn't there, because surely if he had been there, he would have healed him. But now that he is dead, he is going to raise him back to life so that you may believe, he says. And he points to himself in all of this before and after the miracle. And if you're an occasional churchcomer or not yet a Christian, please take in how remarkable this is. Not what he did, but also what he says about himself. Often in a funeral, we're supposed to comfort people by sitting with them or uh, by uh, giving them words of comfort or uh, holding their hands or something. But Jesus went to a funeral home and he says to the people who are grieving, I am the resurrection and the life. He points to himself and he says, I am here now. I will raise this person back to life. You know, I've been following uh, the presidential election very closely. Even the most egomaniacal Donald Trump wouldn't say something like this, not in a funeral home. No religious leader, no Muhammad or Buddha would have said something like that either. I am the resurrection and the life. But that's what, Jesus, what makes Jesus different. He points to himself. He brings comfort by saying, I am here, the source of the resurrection and life. And in order to prove it, he raised Lazarus from the dead. The question is, do you believe? Do you believe that he is the resurrection and the life? But this whole narrative of uh, chapter 11 is actually heading towards something even more remarkable than raising of a dead man. 
It's heading towards the death and the resurrection of Jesus himself. It was back there in the previous chapter, chapter 10, verses 18. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. Very few people in the world can dictate how they're going to die. But Jesus says, only I lay down my life. No one takes it from me. And most remarkably, he says, then I will bring myself back up. I have authority to take it up again, he says. He predicts his resurrection. And this whole chapter, chapter 11, as he's coming to bring Lazarus back to life, the, oh, what looms over this whole story is Jesus' own death. When Jesus predict, uh, decided to go to see Martha and Mary, verse 8, take a look at there, the disciples say, but Rabbi, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you're going, to, you're going back there? And it's true. When he opened the blind man's eyes in chapter 9, they tried to stone him. And when Jesus decided to go, Thomas famously says, let us go. Let us also go so that we may die with him. Jesus' Jesus's death looms over this entire chapter, chapter 11. And take a look at what happens after he brings Lazarus back to life. The religious leaders gather together to have a discussion. And the conclusion is found in verse 53. So from that day, day on, they plotted to take his life. They plotted to take his life from that day on. And that foreshadowing continues in chapter 12. When Mary took a pint of nard, expensive perfume, and pours it on Jesus' feet, and she wipes it off with her hair. And people are outraged and saying, what well, so much good, so, so much good uh, could, have, uh, could have been done with that money. So many poor people could have been helped with that money. And Jesus' uh, answer is astonishing. He says in 12.7, leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. He immediately goes to the funeral. He's going, he says, I am going to be buried, and this was done to prepare me for my burial. You will always have the poor, but you will not always have me. This whole narrative is heading towards Jesus' his own death. But Jesus went to his death willingly. No one took it away from him. As, as we heard on Good Friday, he was scourged. He was beaten and he was mocked and he was crucified on the cross. And the disciples mourned silently without knowing what to do on that Saturday. But on that Sunday morning, on that third, uh, third day, Jesus rose again from the dead. The gate of death that had been shut since Adam flung wide open. New possibilities and new hope was reborn because of Christ. And he did that so that we might be forgiven, so that we might be part of the defeat of death, so that we might believe and have life in him. You know, this whole thing, John's gospel, is written for that purpose. Once again, if you have your Bibles open, take a look at the end of chapter 20, the very last verse. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by, that by believing you may have life. And for 2,000 years, that is what we've been teaching. 
We do not teach a way of life, a philosophy of life. We do not teach that Jesus was a great miracle worker. We do not teach that he was a great teacher. What we teach, what the church proclaims for 2,000 years is that this man whom we have crucified is risen. And he is our Lord and Christ. That in him is forgiveness of sins. Effects of of sin has been reversed. That there is life in him. And rising from uh, Jesus, rising again from, uh, from the dead, is not a singular event. Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and all will rise again through Christ. Some people in chapter 11 um, say, when if Jesus did not command only Lazarus to come out, I mean, he does that, Lazarus, come out. Some people say, then all of the dead, all of the people who have died would have come out. Of course, in one sense, that's just a silly exaggeration. But in another sense, it's very true. At the end of history... Jesus will command all people to come back to life. And everyone, everyone who will have died by then will come back to life. And he will send some to eternal life with him and some to their second death. But if you know him now, if you trust him now, if you know him now, he will know you in the end. And your life will be changed your relationship death with death will be changed. We may still grieve when our Christian brothers and sisters die, but we will not grieve like those who have no hope. You know, did you know we? Uh, did you know the liturgical color for funeral? I had, actually have made this mistake of uh, putting on a, a, a black preaching stole. But in a funeral. Uh, the funeral liturgy, funeral uh, color, uh, liturgy for, the, uh, for funeral is the same as Easter liturgy. It's white. When you go to a Christian funeral, it, it, we, we proclaim that death has, 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 been, has been changed. Our relationship death with death has been changed completely because of Jesus' resurrection. That we have something to celebrate, that we have something to hope for because of Jesus' uh, death and resurrection. It's a celebration of Easter. Mark Ashton was a vicar at a large church in Cambridge in England. In 2007, he was diagnosed with cancer. And this is how he describes the day he found out that he was diagnosed. The oncologist estimated that I had six to nine months to live. I said to the surgeon when he broke the news that what he had just told me was, for a Christian believer, not bad news, but good. It was not the end of the story, but beginning. And I saw an imaginary speech bubble appear above his head saying, this man is totally in denial. And as he battled cancer, he wrote uh, his dying reflection that was published in the newspaper, which, uh, uh, which is actually, I printed uh, it at the back. If you want to pick up a copy, please do uh, pick up a copy on your way out. But I'll quote from it extensively now. So despite the very great strength of human love, it cannot destroy death. There's only one relationship that can do that, and it is the relationship that stands behind all other relationships. It has been said for the, that for the believer, the end of the world is more of a person than it is an event. This is certainly true of, the, uh, true of the end of my life. My death may be the event with which my physical life on earth ends, 
but it will also be the moment at which my relationship with Jesus becomes complete. That relationship is the only thing that has made sense of my physical life. And at my death, it will be everything. My death forces me to face the resurrection of Jesus. No longer it is a bold fact of history for me. It is of crucial significance for every person who faces their own death honestly. Jesus has already risen. If you know him now, I will know him then. He is my assurance in dying, and his resurrection is central to Christianity. And the editor added in the end of that article, Reverend Mark Ashton went to be with the Lord on Easter Sunday, 3rd April 2010. We understand his last words were nearly home. Death is devastating. But Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. He himself died and rose again from the dead so that we might believe, so that we might have life. How will you face death? Thank God for, for Good Friday. And thank God for Easter Sunday. Let's pray. Lord, we give you praise and thanks for your son, Jesus. We thank you for his life, and we thank you for his death, and we thank you for his resurrection. And we now know that the world has been changed because of your death and because of your resurrection. Help us to be filled with that hope. In Christ's name.